Welcome to My Last Watch. My name is Kaylee. And this is Gun. Welcome in, everyone. Special late night edition of My Last Watch. We're recording at 12 10 a.m. on Sunday. We've had conflicting work schedules, and. I think this proves that we're very dedicated to this show, right? I know. At midnight. Hopefully, our neighbors don't get upset, though. Yeah, true. But how many other podcasters do we know? Mm-hmm. Well, none. But also, who would record at midnight? I've been asked to bring the juice for our recordings because today you called me out during our morning walk. I didn't call you out. (laughs) When I was saying you, I was using you in the general term, not you specifically. So I wanted to bring the juice. So I wanted to go out and do a couple of shots and then come back in and then we'll do a recording walk. No, (laughs) I'm kidding. I had to work uh, late tonight and I'm just now getting off. I thought maybe recording after work rather than recording before I go into work may, you know, bring out a different energy level. And if I can add on to that, Mm -hmm. podcasting is not really for Koreans. Koreans are taught not to really show their emotions out in public. You try not to show your emotions. And on podcasts, I think that's like the most important element. Have you been thinking about this a lot today? I have, because you asked, you called me out. You're like, how come you're not the same person as you are in real life on the mic. And that's because even though we don't have much of a listening, it's not like we're, you know. We're not Joe Rogan. (laughs) Yeah, we're not Joe Rogan. But still, I'm a little bit more hesitant and guarded when it comes to showing my emotions. That's understandable. And I do want to let our audience know, I wasn't specifically calling out Gun. I said, you "You need to bring more energy. (laughs) (laughs) But what I meant was you generally, I'm including myself because when I listened to last week's episode, I was like, dang, I was a little bit low energy. There's actually legitimate reasons for that. We won't go into that. And so the energy level may have been different last episode, but it's not just last episode. I do agree. I think I need to let more of my personality show. In your everyday life, it's not like you're jumping on a mic and recording yourself. Mm-hmm. So so trying to make this as natural as possible is the goal. Exactly. I was going to say Koreans are told to play their cards really close to their chest. Which is fine. I think mm-hmm. it's just, it just takes a while to well, be natural. Well, but you called me this. out on that. So now I feel like I have to bring the juice. Shut, shut. <laughs> All right. Okay. Speaking of calling each other out, I didn't have this in the game plan today. Okay. But this happened right before recording, so I will share. Okay. I put Gun's watches back in his watch case. You come home, and you're upset about that. I wasn't upset about that. I just asked that you not touch my watches. Here's the thing that... <laughs> absolutely drives me crazy gun will sit on the couch he will be staring at his watches yes as we know these watches hold a lot of sentimental value they're very special to you but you just lay them out randomly across the house i don't randomly they'll be on the couch sometimes they'll be on the kitchen table sometimes it will be on the counter and it Uh, drives me nuts that rarely happens i wouldn't put it on the i mean it does happen from time to time but mostly on the couch i understand but it's on our couch these are supposedly very special to you yet you're putting them in danger in positions where if accidentally they got knocked off they would be damaged so i was being thoughtful and i said instead of these watches just being around on our kitchen table let me put them back in the watch case 
that they're supposed to chill out in. I'm very worked up they're about this bit, because yeah, I've talked to you about this so yeah, many but times. They're a little bit too close to each other. Okay. The watches need their distance. They need to social distance. So they, they need that six feet difference from each other. But you just literally just threw all the watches in together into the watch box, which is unacceptable. I thoughtfully placed them. Well, they didn't look thoughtfully placed. <laughs> all right. Should we get this episode started now? Or? <laughs> Let's get this party started. Had a hard time figuring out what to talk about this episode. In terms of it being watch-themed. Mm-hmm. And for the past couple weeks, there's been this show that's been popping up on my newsfeed. People, young, old, men, women, are all talking about this show on Netflix. I think everyone knows what show And we're of course, about. we're talking about Squid Game. Mm-hmm. It's also the number one Netflix show in 90 different countries. So it's not just popular in Korea and the U.S., What's funny about that was I think Korea only started watching it because it, it was gaining so much fame internationally. Mm-hmm. But Koreans themselves, I think, were probably the last of the party. I heard that it actually had dropped on September 17th, which I believe was right around Chuseok. So it was very strategic. They're like, mm-hmm. ooh, everyone's going to be at home with their families. Let's drop this bomb show. But did you get a number on how many people actually watch it during that period? I, I know it was a lot because a Korean internet company, like mm-hmm. probably the equivalent of Comcast or something like that, they sued Netflix because so many people were streaming the oh, show. Oh, wow. That it was okay. like, yeah, clogging down But feeds. this was, but the, no, 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 was this for Koreans or internationally? No, no, no. In, that happened in Korea. I'll, have okay. to, I'll try to pull it up. But yeah, because for me, this doesn't really seem to hit the notes of normal Koreans. Well, in case folks haven't heard of the show, I think we should explain the premise of it. Essentially, it's this large group of people who are all in debt and they agree to compete in these series of Korean childhood games for the chance of winning, was it 45 trillion won? Well, it equates to about $50 million U.S. dollars. Sounds pretty good, right? Except the consequences for losing the game is you die. Death. When I watch a TV show, a lot of times I just want something light. I want to unwind. I don't want to be stressed while I'm watching the show. But given how many different people of different backgrounds were raving about this show, and because I don't want to have FOMO, (laughs) I felt compelled to watch. I felt like you kind of have to watch this show just because you don't want to be secluded in just regular conversations that happen. And it seemed like everyone was talking about Squid Games. I asked you multiple times. I was like, hey, I'm about to watch this. Do you want in? And I give you the thumbs up. I said, hey, go for it. Because if you really like it, I'm sure you'd be willing to watch it a second time. Mm -hmm. Tuesday night, Gunn starts watching the show. I'm not watching. And what were your first impressions? Personally, I was kind of confused how it gained so much attention and so much momentum. For the hype it was receiving, it didn't meet my expectations. I understand where you're coming from. The reason why I say that is because I jumped in on episode four, so I haven't seen episodes one through three. About to drop some spoilers, so I'll include in the episode description notes at what point it is safe to listen if you don't (laughs) want to be spoiled. 
But I did give you a fair warning that it was very gory and graphic because I knew that right. wasn't really up your alley, and you know, that's not something that you enjoy watching. Uh, you know, I was, I was pulled in, and episode four was like the goriest episode I think of the whole series. I'm trying to think which game were they playing in episode four. I don't remember the game, but it's the one where it opens up where they're all just trying to kill each other at night. Oh, okay, yeah, because they figure out that once someone dies, even without playing the games, you still get that reward. Because basically, it's per contestant you're getting paid every time someone dies. So all of a sudden, it's like everyone's an assassin going around killing each other. Melee brawl. At that point, I had you turn on the English subtitle so that I could understand what was going on. Mm -hmm. And we proceeded to watch the show that night until episode seven. Yeah. So I finished the show in two days. Again, I missed the first couple of episodes. I I do have to agree with you that I'm not quite sure why the show became as popular as it did. The show was really well produced. I mean, you could tell that it was very expensive to put together. Mm-hmm. The Korean actors were pretty well known, like the main characters, yeah. right? Those, the, those are mm-hmm. A-list actors. Is, is, yeah, definitely A-list, A-list actor in Korea. Acting was great, great character development. All that being said, just the the premise, not a bad show. I'm just not really sure why it took off. I also agree. As much as it hurts me to agree with you as a Korean, but I'm just, yeah, I'm really confused how it gained all this attention. But it was a good opportunity for, I think, Korean producers to show to not only Netflix, but also to Hollywood Given the mass budget that Hollywood normally gets, we can produce quality product that's probably on par or if not even better than what Hollywood producers uh, create. So I think that was really cool in that regard, just so that Korean producers get more uh, limelight. But then with Parasite or with this, the underlying main message is the social disparity in Korea, which I I 100% agree that Mm -hmm. it happens, but then they go overboard. And also, I don't like that we're airing our dirty laundry for everyone to see. Like, all countries have different issues that they face as a society. The thing is, though, when I'm watching Squid Games or even Parasite, I'm not thinking of that premise or that class disparity being unique to Korea. I think why some of these shows are so widely, I guess, attractive to peoples of all different countries is because this is an issue class disparities uh no yeah it's any country beyond, in the world right but like how many countries do you see where people are selling off their organs like that like we don't need to show like and that happens it's pretty surprising but in korea it happens quite often well you'll see like little cards. Like, no no because if you go to the bathroom they'll say hey sell your organs we'll give you this much oh that's and gruesome. so like signs like that the loaning system in korea it's where you get uh gangsters involved or like these loaning people like what you saw in that movie that like those actually exist in real life that's not some like fictional character that they made up Mm -hmm. and so because the banks are really hesitant in giving out loans you have to use like loan sharks 
But in Korea, it's just gangsters going around giving out money, and then if you don't pay, they'll just harvest your organs. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and so like things like that, I don't want to be shared. Well, but don't you think if if that's actually a big issue in Korea, wouldn't you want people to know about that so that something could be done about it? It's not like a. I mean, it is an issue that happens in Korea. Yeah, it's, it's too not like yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Rampant, to the extreme, yeah, to the extreme is these are things that they deal with. But as a Korean, when I see that, I'm kind of. Um, I don't know what the right word is, but it's, yeah, kind of cringy for me to watch mm. those elements. It's like, yeah, when you see the social disparities, it's like they go really overboard with it. For me, I was definitely taking things too literally. Mm-hmm. Not that I thought that these were like real situations in Korea. But for example, I did not realize until episode eight where you said like, oh, these people could leave the game. But apparently, if the majority of contestants say, oh, we've had enough, we want to leave, they could just walk out. And part of me wishes that I had seen those first three episodes because I think I did miss a lot of that character development and the backstory of why these people were so desperate to compete. Because I'm watching the show and I'm thinking like, okay, you, you have the option to leave. For one, you're odds of winning solo and if you lose again you like die in the most gruesome fashion i'm thinking even if you win you're gonna have major ptsd why wouldn't you just tap out but for them and i know i'm just this isn't a real situation and then for them living in real life is much more of a pain because they're in debt society has already shunned them and so they're willing to just die rather than have to go back to society in some regards, though, are you excited that a Korean show has taken off? For, for context, I guess like growing up, you you grew up around Korean. Yeah. So, but I know for like me, when I see something that I identify as being part of my culture, I, I get really proud. Right when I see it become a mainstream success. So nowadays, with Korean pop culture, whether that's music or TV shows finding success among like a western audience or success outside of korea Mm -hmm. is that kind of exciting for you it is exciting that we're getting the exposure but i think even before squid games we had bts that put us on the map. I don't want to. Yeah, no, no. But this is very different this is captivating people of all different ages whereas i feel like bts might be a certain demographic and then we had sigh that led us you know in that right direction with kind of style i think that was the start and so, yeah, it is exciting that we're getting the exposure, but uh, I don't know. Yeah, I'm just kind of torn because I want to really like this. But at the same time, it was kind of more difficult for me to watch. Well, this conversation went a little bit differently mm-hmm. than I was expecting. But I did want to tie this into watches because the front <laughs> okay. man who was wearing all, all black, there were so many good watches that he could have worn to really complement his outfit. Okay, this is a bit of a stretch, but I mean, I was trying to figure out how to incorporate watches into this Uh, conversation. I was going to reel it back. I was thinking, like, this episode, do we talk about which watches from Gun's collection would we kill off? No, that's a little bit extreme. Yeah, yeah. Okay, all right. Please. But the front man, he's the one in all black and avant garde. (laughs) Is he going to be wearing a Ming? Is that what you're going to say? There is one Ming, but that's not the main one. When I first saw his outfit, I was like, oh, man, if he had on this watch, it would perfectly complement what he's wearing right now. 
I hope I'm saying this right because I'm really not too familiar with this brand, but it is a high-end brand. It's called Urwerk, U-R-W-E-R-K. And out of the Urwerk collection, it would be the UR220. So how I was introduced to Urwerk was uh, Iron Man was watching, was wearing this watch, but it's a very futuristic avant-garde. I don't know. You don't, I know you don't like me saying that, but it is an avant-garde watch that would have perfectly complemented his outfit and it's all black watch. So I think that would have been perfect on his wrist. And then there's also a black mean that he could have pulled off, but I think the Orwick is the watch he should have been wearing for uh, the show. As I said, I was having a difficult time figuring out how to tie this into watches. So thank you for bringing that up. Mm-hmm. However, I was also thinking... What is the name of this podcast? My last watch. And what did we watch last? You're I'm thinking about too hard. Seahawks game? Squid games. But mm-hmm. also, thank you for transitioning to our next topic. <laughs> the Seahawks. We went to the Thursday night game. A lot of feelings about that. Uh, but my first question for you, Gun. Yeah. What? In episode 19. We talk about how Russell Wilson, our starting QB, should partner with a certain watch brand. And now that Russell is going to be sidelined for up to two months due to a very gruesome finger injury, Geno Smith is now our QB1. What watch brand do you think he should partner with? Oh, okay. Geno Smith doesn't really deserve a watch, though. Uh, Thursday night, he had a pretty good performance. <laughs> he did. No, no, I'm kidding. Yeah. I'll I give him an A plus, yo. Oh, let's... Hmm. I mean, I know you're not a big Russ fan to begin with. I know, like, boo, Matt boo, no, 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 is QB1 for you and what? Russell boo. Wilson no, is QB2. No. That was his so. rookie season I was talking about. He should sit behind Matt Flynn and learn the system. I didn't say he was... Oh. Matt Flynn was only QB1 during Russ's rookie season, which was like 2013. Well, I mean, I'm just saying you're a bit of a Russ hater, so maybe you're relieved <laughs> that Geno Smith is stepping in now. Well, no, I'm not relieved. Oh. <laughs> but Geno Smith, he'll have to be like an homage watch. There's a Casio that does a really good homage to, not a really good, but like an homage to like a Submariner. It's like when you want the real deal, but like you can't afford it. Yeah. yeah, you can't afford it. Mm-hmm. So you just have something as a placeholder. At first glance, maybe Gino might look the part, but the closer you look, it's just an homage. And you'll need to get the real deal sooner rather than later. And people do that. People will like it. Like, for instance, if I wanted a Submariner, I would want something that's similar to it just to try it out because it's such a big investment. And make sure that, okay, this is the direction I want to go. And so, you know, I know a lot of watch collectors buy homage pieces before they actually commit to the real deal. And so it'd be like a Casio that looks really similar to a Rolex Submariner that you can get for like a hundred bucks. Because Geno Smith is just a placeholder. He's not going to be, you know, our QB1. Hey, as long as that Casio keeps functioning, your favorite word. For maybe the next two months, we could be in okay shape. Mm-hmm. I don't, don't want to get okay into shape. this too much yeah. because we're already pretty deep into recording. 
But beyond Russ getting hurt, it's not like the Seahawks have looked good at all the past several games. Even if Russell did not get injured this past game, I don't think the outcome would have been any different. I think Gino lit a spark under everyone. He did. Yep. Hopefully that continues. This season, it's been really unfortunate because it seems like we have all the right pieces. Oh, for sure. It seems like we have the talent on the team. But it's just we're not able to utilize, you know, the talent on the team. Definitely. Yep. So if we were to compare or do like a watch analogy, I would compare this to a watch collector having a perpetual calendar in his watch collection. Perpetual calendar is one of the more sophisticated uh, watch complications. It's like day, date, time, and then the lunar or the calendar, the leap year. And so it tracks all of this but it's like the owner only utilizing that perpetual calendar to tell the time and not using any other functions of that watch. That's what it seems like for the Seahawks. It's like we have all these young studs on our team, DK, I think Jamal, like we gave up so much to get Jamal and then even Tricky Dicky, like Michael Dixon. Like we should utilize him more as a punter because he's not just a punter. Pete knows this as well. And especially after that double punt that he did, Come on, we have to come up with like a punt fake or something for him to utilize his athleticism. And so I think this is more so on the coaches that can't utilize all the function and everything that we have on the team. As we mentioned earlier in this podcast, we started recording this at 12.30 a.m. So we have not seen the Sunday games yet. Uh, just a refresher, Gunn has picked the Vikings. Questionable pick. I know, but Kirk all Cousins. of the, I mean, all the games were questionable. It was a tough week. I have picked the Ravens. I'm also not super confident at that pick, mm-hmm. so we shall see. But we have to choose for this upcoming week. So let's make our selections. For week six, I am choosing the Chiefs versus the Washington football team. And I'll be choosing the LA Rams. Traitor. <laughs> Traitor. Boo. Boo. Don't even yell. I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go Stafford and Ramsey. Team Rams. <laughs> All right. Watch fam. Well, since this episode was about bringing the juice, what do you think, Kaylee? Do we bring the juice or? Hopefully. I don't know until I go back and listen to these things. Sometimes I think we do a good job recording and then I listen back and I'm like, well, shoot. That didn't go as I I'm feeling hoped. pretty good about this. I'm feeling neutral. Okay. I'm feeling, I have that Russell Wilson mindset. I'm feeling neutral. So Ronnie Lott amputated no. his finger when no. he had that same injury with Russ. Russ needs to step up his game. Get that finger amputated, bro. No, he's a quarterback, so he shouldn't. That makes no sense, bro. No sense. No, I mean, Ronnie Lott just got his finger amputated so he could come and play the next week. Well, Russ is a quarterback, so I understand he might need I know that. he's your QB2 because Matt Flynn is your QB1, so I understand why someone with that mindset would say something as absurd as what you just said. So I forgive you, and I understand where you're coming from just because you hate Russell. So that makes sense. Back to the topic of, the topic of uh, bringing the juice. What time of the year is it right now in Seattle? Fall. And what does pumpkin bring? spice latte? No. Boo, boo. You, boo. I actually don't really know what you're trying to get. Fresh at hop football. season, yo. <laughs> so a big shout, out, a big shout out as we end this episode to all the breweries here in Seattle and the Pacific Northwest. 
that are bringing us the juiciest beers ever for the next <laughs> four to six weeks while it's fresh hop, wet hop season. I would have been very um, devastated if it weren't for fresh hop season right now. Luckily, I have fresh hop season to look forward to for three, four more weeks. Thank you, Cloudburst and Holy Mountain, for bringing us the juice. I totally thought you were going for pumpkin spice lattes right now, but okay. All right, folks, it's time to wrap it up. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you next week. Have a good night, watch, fam. Bye. If you're enjoying My Last Watch so far, please give us a five-star rating or review on Apple Podcasts. It really goes a long way to help get the word out on the show. Thanks so much.